All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're watching Leafs Morning Take with host Nick Alberga and former NHLer Jay Rosen. The show starts now. All right, what's going on, everybody? It's time for the Tuesday edition of Leafs Morning Take presented by Botano. It's Nick Alberga and Carter Hutton with you. What's going on, Huts? Not much, buddy. How are you doing? It's nice to be back. And uh, I, I didn't want to come on yesterday. Obviously, you had Rosie, but I needed you to get a day to kind of catch up from your big weekend so I can uh, come in here full blast on a Tuesday and hopefully you're recovered and ready to rock. Man, I could tell you today is a grind. For some reason, like I was good yesterday, but it's like back back to the grind today where it's like I feel like I've been hit by a train after spending all Sunday in bed Yesterday I was up and at it, uh, but today it just it's hitting differently. Maybe it just takes longer to kick in, but uh, it was a good weekend. I was going to get your thoughts. It was unfortunate we couldn't have you there, but uh, the future, uh, we know great things are, are in store for you and your career here in broadcasting and with the company for sure. But well, what did you make of uh, All-Star Weekend in general, just watching it? Well, outside of my jealousy and not being there and a little <laughs> bit of FOMO. So uh, other than that, it was it was good. It was it was nice to see, you know, everybody that was there and the fans, the backing, the buzz to know that the NHL and hockey is in a great place. Right. Because, you know, there was a few years there during lockouts and and different stuff. We didn't know if we'd get back to where it was. And it seems like it's in a great place. And obviously having it in Toronto, it backed it. I think the diversity you see at the games, the cultural, how it's spread throughout all different levels, which is great for me. And. It was nice to see the big dogs 
perform like big dogs too. You could see they were trying. You could see they cared. They were showing off their skill. And for me, it's a, you know, what fan in the stand that's a young kid that gets to see that, that might change their life forever, that might fall in love with the game. And it's not about the guys that play in the NHL necessarily. It's just about growth of the game and getting fans and getting people to understand that you can play this game your whole life and how, how great it is. Man, I thought it was a great showing for your goalies as well. Like I was at the skills competition on Friday and Alexander Georgiev, who I think never gets the credit he deserves because of the team he plays on. I, I He was spectacular. I mean, he wins 100K in the skills competition, but I think all in all, it was actually pretty good showing in the skills and the weekend in general for the goaltenders. They made some great saves. Yeah, it's nice to kind of see they're normally they're sitting ducks, right? Normally they're in, oh, they yeah. come in cold. They just sit there and these guys just tee off on them. And then it gets to the point where, I remember when they would do the crazy shootout, the goalie doesn't even know what to do. He's just kind of standing there, like doesn't want to save it, <laughs> let them score where it's nice to see their athleticism and see them, you know, being able to show how great athletes they are. So for me, that was a great performance. And for him, he's an underrated guy, right? He's not humongous, but he puts in a lot of effort to the way he plays. Truthfully, I never thought his game would adapt to play as many games as he has, but he he's made the transition and, and it's fun to see, get him to show his uh, skill set on the big stage. Yeah, it's a good point you make because in previous years, specifically last year, it was like such a gag when they did like the face-off relay or the, the breakaway relay, I should say, where it's like the goalie's not trying to stop it for some reason. And now I think adding money to the mix, like I, I think it brought a bit of a different dimension. It showcased the talents of these players and the goalies were actually trying to make saves. Like it's a, it's amazing, you know, how different the style and play could be when money's on the line, eh? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That is the truth, right? And Kucherov obviously didn't get that message. But, you know, for some of these guys, and it's and it's the pride too, right? They want to win. They're competitive. And, and majority of these guys that are here are the most competitive players, right? That's why they're as good as they are because they've been just maniacs competitively their whole life. Where I know sometimes, like, you know, just the buzz and, you know, people, you know, being around the rink myself. And I know some people take it as like, you know, these guys make so much money. Why do they need to get paid? But from my perspective, it is a business, right? The NHL is putting on an event. They're making a bunch of money. Why wouldn't you pay your employees, right? If you compared it to apples to apples to other jobs, right? I know it's one of those things guys should buy in, but it's nice to see them compete and you get to see the best in the world, you know, going at full blast. Well, it's great to have you as per usual, my man, at the Leafs Nation 4 on YouTube where you could subscribe, uh, leave a five-star review if you'd like, uh, where you search your podcast, Leafs Morning Take, where we pop up. Leave us a review as well. That'd be fantastic. We love you guys. Uh, brought to you by DoorDash. It's time for the appetizer for a limited time. Our listeners can get 25% off, up to $10 in value and zero delivery fees in their first order, $15 or more. When you download the DoorDash app and enter code NATION25, that's code NATION25, all in uppercase, 25% off your first order with DoorDash. Offer valid in Canada. Subject change. Terms apply. So an eight-day break. Same team. Uh, I'm not going to come on here and rip them to shreds. It's not worth it anymore. I said it on yesterday's show. I'm going to stay even keel with this team. But, I mean, there's no excuses. And they could use the excuse. They lost that game. But the Islanders also had the same time off. And... There was one team that looked hungry and, and there one there was one that was like a, a, a mash of both. And I think the right team won last night, Huts. No, I think so too. I don't think you're far off. And I think the break for the Islanders, in my opinion, you know, Patty, Patty Wall comes in. It's a bit of a whirlwind, right? Then he gets in, he gets this break, which I think is huge, you know, to reset himself, kind of, you know, see what he's got. He's got a few games under his belt now. And this team knows that they're fighting for their head coach. They're fighting to try to get in a playoff spot. And it seems the way that Patty Wall is going to be is he's going to give guys the opportunity to play that want to be hungry, that want to work hard, that want to play the right way. 
And again, last night you got a goalie like Sorokin. He just you get a lead like that. You give up a late goal, which is a killer. And then to the fact after that, Sorokin just locks it down, and he was really good all game. But again, I just see a more complete hockey team. And I'm not saying I'm a fan of the Islanders by any means, but I think they're a hungry hockey team. And every guy throughout that lineup was working to try to find a way to get those two points last night. I think the word you're looking for is structured. And when I watch the Maple Leafs play hockey, it, like, can you explain to me how you you get that big time boost? John Tavares scores against his former team with minutes remaining, and then the response is what you know puzzled me. Like the Islanders are like, "Oh shit, they just tied the game. Let's ramp up the urgency." And the Leafs are like, "Okay, that's it. We're going to get a point. Who knows what's going to happen?" Like they're playing on hope again. Like they, this has been a story all season long. And uh, today I just wake up thinking like, what happened? Like, why wasn't there urgency after you tied the game? Yeah, you think the momentum would swing at that point, right? Like a great goal from Tavares off, like, you know, off a great tip, obviously fooled Sorokin big time. For me, even from that standpoint, you start to think it's second half hockey now, right? Things are tighter. There's less time, less space. You just got a huge goal, luckily. 2-1, 2-1, you think the Islanders are going to close it down. It's 2-2. Now you're like, this game's going overtime. You have to think there's going to be structure. And for me, it's just a defensive zone breakdown where it's like you're leaving a guy alone in the slot to take a shot. I don't like the goal necessarily by Ingvall. Like, I feel like Samsonov oversprawls himself. But at that point, it's just the fact that you're giving up a look like that. It's one thing you're going to give up chances, but it has to be perimeter. How is in the center, the house of the rink protected at that point in the game is mind-blowing to me. I owe this fan base an apology because like three seconds into the game, I'm like, it just smells pure Engvall goal. I just didn't think it would be a game winner. Like we can tackle that whole thing. So this guy, Pierre Engvall gets a video tribute. Can we stop the madness? Like, I know this has been my shtick for like three years where it's like, I love revenge goals and NHL revenge and video tributes. But like, where do you draw the line where Pierre Engvall is getting a welcome back graphic on the big screen and then just to laugh in your face, he scores the game-winning goal. Like, Leafs fans hated this guy. Goes to the Islanders. He signs a seven-year extension because Solu Lamarillo. He comes back, gets the video tribute, and then scores the game-winning goal. It is so Leafs, man. It's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> like It's not like, yeah, it's kind of crazy. I get the shout-out to get the welcome back, but... Come on, man. Do you, you can't be doing it. You can't be doing it for everybody. Like he wasn't like a big player. It's Fuck. it's kind of nuts. I had a shout out when I went back to Nashville. It was a quick little shot on the board while I was playing, but not like this. This was like insane. I spent three years there, but I was on the team every single day playing. I kind of had built up a rapport where this is just like a he was a checker there for a little bit, kind of started his career. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's it's tough. I could see maybe if he went to the Marlies where they're like talking about his championship or something, but this is nuts. And then for him to get the winner, like I saw your tweet. I actually was like, man, you jinxed it. And I love it. And I can't believe he did it. It's like you can't you can't script that. That is unreal. But dude, anybody watch this team and you do, too. It's like Alex Kerfoot's coming back in two weeks. He's going to score. Michael Bunting scored like it. It feels like it's the only it's only the Maple Leafs and maybe it's the stage of Scotiabank Arena and the big smoke. But these guys come back and they look like Wayne Gretzky. I thought Engvall was engaged. I thought he was good last night. Like it's it's sad to admit that, but that's where we're at. And I always bring this up there. There's like 25 and I'm not kidding. I'm not being dramatic. There's like 25 losses in the last decade for this Maple Leafs team where it's like you sit there after the game and you're like, what the fuck did I just watch? And we all know what number one is. I was in attendance. It happened against Carolina, a Zamboni driver. But there are so many games 
where you come out of it and the first thing you see on social media is that Ben Affleck meme where he's wearing, uh, you know, people Photoshop a jersey on him. He's smoking a cigarette. That's the first thing I saw. And it's so true. It's like only the Maple Leafs would lose a game like that after tying it. And it's Pierre Engvall out of all players to score the game winning goal. Like it's it's mystifying, but right to script with this season so far, man. It's stressful at times, right? And it's that I always I always touch back on that leafy hockey rosy comment because I love it. It's so true, right? It's one of those things where it's like if they came out last night and scored eight and were amazing, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's not surprising. But then they go and lay an egg. Like there's just no middle ground. I just feel like the compete for me is something that I struggle with. I know that they had more guys in the All-Star game. I know that it was coming off the break. But they're, the Islanders are in the same boat, right? Less guys in the All-Star game, just Barzell. Barzell scored. He was in the All-Star game. It's one of those things where it's just frustrating to watch for me because the game is so important, right? They're not that far ahead of the Islanders. Right? It's a dogfight right now in this division to get in the playoffs in that wild card and to drop points to the Islanders, who's the Metro's crazy, right? And the Atlantic's no cakewalk. You talk about Boston. We talk about Florida, Tampa Bay. Like, There's not going to be any easy games. And granted, I know you can't control all these other teams, but you can control the way you play. You can control the way you set yourself up for the playoff, finding that stride in the playoff hockey as it gets closer. And for me, last night was another wasted effort where you could have had a better way to find your game. Yeah, I think that assessment's so bang on, Huts. Like, uh, I mean, at what point do you get the coach involved? Like, the start, like, it, it was just so lethargic. And again, uh, the Islanders had the same eight-day break. Matthew Barzell was part of All-Star Weekend. He was the best player on the ice last night. They win the game because Matthew Barzell stepped up his play. He owns the Maple Leafs, by the way. Ever since that comment from John Tavares, where he called him that kid that won the call there, he has dominated the Toronto Maple Leafs, plain and simple. But he was hungry. Like, there, there was just no hunger. And unfortunately, we've seen this all season long. We've seen this for the last five to seven years under Sheldon Keefe. I'm not one to finger point as much as some people, but like who's to blame for these type of starts where like they look disinterested, man. Like the first period, if it weren't for Ilya Samsonov, I think that hockey game's over. And and again, the Islanders are ready to play. I know they have a new head coach and all that, but they, they look like a team that was fighting for something last night. No, and it is, and I think he's going to have an inspired hockey team. I was actually texting with a buddy last night, Robert Bertuzzo. He's out with a high ankle yeah. sprain with the Islanders, local guy, good friend. And he was just saying, like, how much he's changed. Like, he's just such an old-school guy, and they have a team that, like, responds to it. Like, so obviously him being hurt, he's upset about it. But at the same sense, he was like, he thinks this is, like, a great fit for this team that's going to get them to buy in. Because we've talked about that how many times? I feel like every time we're on here, you talk about Keith and you talk about the structure, and, like, yeah. it's just, like, Groundhog Day, right? Where you get a different coach and they're a different voice. And sometimes it's not necessarily the personnel, but it's that shot in the arm that you need to get guys to buy in the right way. You look on St. Louis, right? We always go back to that. When Craig Ruby came in, teams in last place, all of a sudden they win a Stanley Cup, right? You have the tools, you have the guys, but like it's just that that comfort and that familiarity with someone where it just doesn't change, right? How many times are we going to keep going back to the well here? I feel like with the same comments about this hockey team. Again, yeah, it's Groundhog Day. I feel the same way. That's why I came on here. I said, I'm just not going to rip them to shreds. It's just not worth it anymore. Having said that, like the D-zone issues, a glaring, glaring issue. And I think Sheldon Keefe, you know, summed it up perfectly after the game. Like, we played good enough uh, to win, but not bad enough to lose. Something like that. You know the quote I'm talking about. But, like, something to that degree, degree where it's like, they shot themselves in the foot. Um, I know he wasn't too happy, obviously, with uh, the gaff that led to the uh, that rookie scoring his first NHL goal, which was a beauty, by the way, out of the box. Like, that power play 
was dreadful. Again, no desperation, no urgency that you're playing in an NHL game back from the all-star break. And then like, it's just like mistakes. Like again, D zone turnovers is the same thing that's plagued this team all season long. Is it an easy excuse to blame their lack of depth on the blue line? though? was my question. No, I don't think so. Like, I feel like a mistake like that is mental, right? Like, you sure. got a young kid. He put Samson off in an absolute blunder, too, with that move. Oh. He, got him, he got him to bite, and that was a it's really nasty. good move from McLean. Yeah. But and that just shows you, like, I know he's a rookie first goal, but, like, you give guys time and space like that and stupid mistakes, they make you pay, right? So it, it's frustrating to me. And, I, and like, Keith kind of touched on, like, saying it was, like, peewee hockey, those kind of mistakes. And he's, yeah. and he's not far off because those are mental mistakes. It's different when a team beats you. It's different when you beat yourself. And that's beating yourself by giving up those kind of chances where, like, everybody in the rink knows the penalty's ending, right? Like, you have to be aware of it. That is part of the game. This hasn't changed. You've been playing this game forever. So making mistakes like that is unexcusable in my opinion especially in a game when you're trying to make the playoffs and you're trying to play against a team where it's a huge game even to get to overtime would have been huge to get that extra point and to let that slide is i think unacceptable so huts my follow-up to that and the direct quote by the way from sheldon keith i think was um pointed at timothy Lilligren, but he didn't say his name this is the national hockey league that's peewee stuff you play on the power play in the national hockey league they should not get behind you coming out of the penalty box i mean the guy has a point but the whole like mental game like who, who's who's in charge of preparing these guys? Like it can't be a whole team uh, of of mental defects or whatever you want to call it, where it's like every player is making mistakes like this. Who 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 do you point the finger at? Because to me, it's the head coach. They're not ready. They are not yeah. prepped. When you look at other teams in this league, hell, look at the Islanders last night. They were just smart with their play. They 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 played their style. I just I don't leave many Leafs games thinking, oh, they that was a really, really well coached game where they made smart decisions. And it's so easy to blame the players, but like somebody else has to take the blame here. I think they're just not mentally prepared. They're not ready. No, I agree. And it is preparation. It is being ready. It's one thing to like be prepared to play, right? And you have an off night, right? Like teams have off nights, right? You play 82 sure. games. There's going to be nights where you mail it in, but like consistently seeing these like mental breakdowns, I feel like it at some point it's got to fall on the coaching staff on preparation on, you know, the systematics part doesn't change. I felt like when we would play, it almost was like groundhog day. You'd go to the rink in the morning, you'd watch your penalty kill power play. You get a little bit of scouting and like, it's all pretty close. Give or take a little bit, you know, especially as a goalie for me, it was like, I'm going to watch a power play, see where guys shoot from some tendencies, maybe a little bit of forecheck because I handle the puck a lot. Other than that, it's just hockey, just playing. How are you going to get ready to play and be focused and be dialed in? And and for this team, I find it's just ebbs and flows of just one night they're dialed in, next night there's no consistency. And my fear is without creating that structure that we drop on all the time, when playoffs come, you can't just find it. It's already, it should be dialed in by now, especially we're in the second half here and, and we're running late out of time, in my opinion. And the other thing I noticed in the game, like there's not like, I know they don't want to talk about the core four, like, especially with Cali Yarncroke out there, they have nothing. Like I watched the third line and I'm like, maybe they'll score tonight, but maybe they'll score once in four games. Like you don't get the feel of like a Colorado or a Boston where it's like, you know, the bottom six, if you're not mindful of them, they're going to bury you. I don't get that feel. Like, I think it's got to be a pretty simple game plan. And by the way, the Islanders, sweeping away the season series at the Maple Leafs. They have something on them. They played physical in that game. They're just a bad opponent for this team, and they play structured, and all four lines can beat you. Where from the Maple Leafs' perspective, and I know it's a tough ask, but if you shut down the big four, you're probably winning the hockey game. And 
And to an extent, that's pretty much what happened. Uh, Sorokin was a good story, but I just thought the Islanders looked so much more hungrier. I think Toronto's depth has been tested. Uh, We'll see what they do between now and March 8th, but it hasn't worked out the way they anticipated when it comes to Domi, Bertuzzi, and others. No, I agree. And I think it's the same structure. For me, it was a game this year against uh, Carolina home, the one that you said Bunting scored in. When I watched that game, it just felt like they took the oxygen out of the arena. They just swallowed them up. There was no space, no time. And then you look at the Islanders last night, very similar, just a hungry hockey team. They're first on loose pucks, extra battle, extra jump. So as when I look at that and I start thinking about, okay, who are teams you're going to face? Like, you know, you talk about Florida, more of a complete team, Boston, more of mm-hmm. a complete team, the Islanders more Carolina, Carolina's playing well now getting Freddie Anderson back. Like the New York Islanders ha- or the Carolina hurricanes have like a, 890, 888 save percentage on the year. And look where they are. Wait till they start getting some goaltending. And these are the teams you're going to try to compete with without that like depth and hustle. And you shut down the big dogs. Like I get the big dogs do their thing, but if you don't have depth, man, you don't have nothing when it comes to playoffs. Look at every team that's won cups over the last year. Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly it. And that's what I always come back to. I mean, it, it really is an embarrassment of riches. It's great to have the big boys. It's great to pay them their money. But without depth, you're just not winning anything of significance in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I just don't feel like a guy like David Kampf or, you know, I love Cali Yarnkrog. I think he's a he's a top six guy. But like, they just don't have the guy who's going to score that big time goal. Nor do I think there's a switch that can be flipped. Like, there's just a lot of question marks with this team, which I think is concerning this late into a season with the trade deadline, what, five weeks away. But I do want to talk, uh, touch on some positives. Um, I thought John Tavares was excellent. Like you talk about guys who needed, uh, you know, a break. It was him. He scored in the, in the game before the break comes out with a goal and an assist, but I thought he looked rejuvenated. I thought he looked fresh skating was back. Like he, he looked like a much different player, which is a positive development for this team. Which, you know, like, which isn't surprising to me, right? He's no. held off the score sheet for a bit and he's a pro, right? He's been doing this a long time. It's a little bit of a rut for him, but he's a guy that they need, like where he's playing that kind of playoff style hockey, right? He's gritty. He's in the corner. He's going to the front of the net. He's doing the things he needs to do. And for him, I think that's a boat of confidence getting him going, right? Because it's like anyone, you start to doubt yourself when you're in a, a slump, right? But when things are going well, it's easy. It's a flow state for him, in my opinion, though is like, can he stay at that level, right? Where we're trying to get that out of him. He needs a little things where I think that needs to be inspired throughout the lineup. Getting the guys that want to play a perimeter game to buy into the JT kind of style of play. Because if you filled a team with a bunch of JTs, you'd have a, one hell of a playoff hockey team, right? I know he takes a lot of heat for how much money he makes, but that's not his problem. They gave it to him, right? So it's one of those things where I think if you get guys to buy in and play that way, this from their leader is going to be a shot in the arm, hopefully to get guys to be like, this is the way we need to play if we want to win. And again, you, you you say the phrase consummate professional. It is so true with John Tavares. And I do truly feel like he's perfect for this market. Nothing bothers the guy. Like he's coming off the longest slump of his NHL career and then puts out an effort like that. And I, I think he's just perfect to deal with adversity. I mean, there's been ups, there's been downs throughout his tenure as a Maple Leaf, but like he's always around a point per game. Like he's the least of my worries. I said this a couple of weeks back where it's like JT always seems to go through that January swoon. And then he finds his game. And I again, that, that that's a really pleasant development because the last little while he has not been great. But again, like you, I wasn't concerned. But I do think it's time for like John Tavares to grab the reins here and say, like, will this team, you know, they, they need somebody to elevate right now and grab this team and say, we're doing this thing. We're making the playoffs. We're going on a run. And right now it's a lot of this Jekyll and Hyde bullshit, unfortunately. 
No, I agree. I think there's always moments like that where your leaders and your veteran guys need to just drag guys into the mud with them. Just be like, hey, this isn't going to be easy. It's going to be hard. You look at Bo Horvat, right, standing up for yeah. jumping in there. And, like, you know, he's outmatched. He's outsized, but he's still showing up. And it just kind of gets guys inspired to play because at this time of year, things are fragile, right? Like, And I, I always found that when I played – at the start of the year, even your routine, right? You go to the rink, it's a grind, right? But it's like easy because it's fresh. And then all of a sudden it's like you're 40 games in. And I would always joke around with younger guys would come in, especially goalies. You'd see them do really well. Like let's talk about Garrett Sparks, right? Came in, got a shout out. He's the best goalie in the world. <laughs> but it's easy to play on emotion, right? It's harder to be a pro and every day find a way to do the right things and find that extra gear. So when you have those leaders like, you know, Horvat or Tavares, these guys that can do all the things that are good pros, it kind of drags guys into the fight. And for me, I think that's a positive for the Leafs, but let's see how they respond, especially with the bottom six, like playing kind of on the outside perimeter guys. It's got to be some grit coming home here. Man, you talk about confidence. Uh, I took a bit of heat, weirdly enough, on social media on Monday, questioning Willie Nylander. Like, he just looks really, really hesitant. And people were throwing stats and numbers at me, and I got it. He was much better in the game, but still, like, your goalie, he just looks tentative, like stuff that he was connecting on and finishing on earlier in the season. It's just not there. And I mean, the video alone of his reaction on the bench tells you everything he needs to know or you need to know about where he thinks his game's at right now. Like he's really fighting it. He's snake bit. Yeah. And, and he's not hiding it right now a little bit. He's fighting it, especially the room for error. And margin is so fast out there that if you're thinking a little bit or trying to like think things through, like you have to be a play ahead and making moves. And he's definitely falling behind, especially the way he plays, right? He is a yeah. high end skill player. And his, again, he signs a contract, all star game, a bit of a lull. I don't, he doesn't worry as me as much as some of the other guys with the depth. But at the same time, I agree when you're a little bit off, it's, it's a difference maker, especially when he needs to make like sexy plays and he's doing all this stuff. If you're a little bit off, man, you get exposed pretty quickly. But Hots, that scares the shit out of me. They paid this guy 11 and a half million bucks to be a marquee talent night in and night out. And he is playing like an eight and a half million dollar player. And the margin for error in the salary cap world is razor thin. And granted, the, the sample size is like 11 or 12 games. I will give this guy the benefit of the doubt, uh, more so because of what we've seen the last year and a half. But I would be lying if I'm not a little worried and concerned about the fact that very coincidentally, this guy is resorted back to the former player. To the guy who's a really, really good hockey player, but he is not a guy who's a marquee talent in this league right now. And it's unfortunate. It's sad to me. Yeah, because I feel like when you start talking about like the elite of the elite, you know, you talk about Sid, obviously, for years, McDavid, McKinnon, these guys that are just like passionate. And I feel like Sidney Crosby would like take another contract to play for free. Like this guy yeah. just loves hockey. He loves yeah. it. Like he lives every time you hear Crosby or we play against him, he's like, leave, like I'm, I'm going to get my pizza or whatever. He's in the gym working out. Right. It's just, well, he's one of those guys that's just consumed by the game where Nylander doesn't give you those vibes. Right. He gives you the, like, I'm a stud. I'm going to be cool. I'm going to live the life, which is cool too, but it's not cool when you're talking about a team that's trying to win a Stanley cup and you just yeah. gave him a boatload of money moving forward. If you, if, he packs it in again yeah i'm not saying he's packing it in but like he hasn't been the same player i mean it, it's not night and day but he has taken a significant step back since signing that contract but again ultimately it's all about the stanley cup playoffs they got to get there first it's all about the stretch drive and i do believe obviously in william nylander uh, matthew nice is another guy who i thought needed a bit of a break like whether the rookie wall uh, huts is a real thing or not i thought he was good i thought that top line had some jam uh, Matthews with the rare triple post off a great pass from 
from Nyes. Like they, they were creating opportunities. I thought Mitch Marner again. Like this has been a, an under the radar type story because we expect excellence from this guy every night. But Mitch Marner, it's funny. So like Nylander's taken a step back since signing the contract. March, Marner's taken a step forward. Like I think I think he's been great lately. No, he has. He looks great. His poise and patience in like high danger situations are like is second to none. He just even the goal, like he gets Pelic to drop, and then he just that little patience freezes Sorokin, makes it look so easy. And like it's easy to watch that goal on replay and be like, oh wow, he just fakes it and then he get bites. But like to have that sort of poise, there's not many guys in the world that have that kind of poise, and he's one of them. And for me, Matthew Nye's transition into the second half of the season is is nice to see. I believe there's a lot of confidence that comes with it, right? You you start off the season, it's a bit of a whirlwind, right? You're finally full-time guy and it's going and you're playing on the top line. And now you start to think back, he gets a bit of a break to kind of, you know, decompress. Yeah. There's a lot of confidence that comes into that, right? Now he's coming back like, man, I, I belong here. I'm one of the guys. I'm a, like, this is legit. So for me, I like his game and he's a guy moving forward that is going to be super important for this hockey team what he can create because he's a big body because he moves well. And then obviously playing with Matthews who like, there's not enough to be said. He's it's crazy. That shot last night went off all three posts, but his release is just still all world. It's nuts. Yeah. And again, we just talked about Nylander. Like I thought Matthews took over the game in the last 15 minutes. Like that, that's why you're paid that money to do your thing. And I, I just, the puck was on a string for Matthews. Like it just, the guy's playing on a different level. Obviously, he didn't show forth on the night, but he had a couple of prime opportunities in that game. You're just not going to have it every game. Uh, what did you think of, uh, of Ilya Samsonov? I know he talked, it, uh, talked about it a bit earlier, but 26 saves in that game. I thought he was really, really good, specifically in the first period. I know you leave the game. He's got an 897 save percentage in that one, but I think if it weren't for him, the Leafs were in big-time trouble or bigger trouble than they were in. Yeah, I think that's a tough one if you're like checking box scores, right? And you're like, hey, he only had an 897. He should have had blah, blah. Like he played well. He made a lot of key saves at times. The only thing for me would be the last run, right? I feel like he's a little lost on the Barzell one. It hits the post and he's so far slid out of the net. He's kind of lost. But that's just a tough a tough break that hits the post and redirects out into the slot. The breakaway is a breakaway, right? He gets his jaw handed to him. I'm sure he'd look back. He'd like to be a little more patient. But that's you give a guy a clean cut breakaway, it's going to go one way or the other. The one for me was that one at the end of the game, I feel like he makes a quality save, but then it's like that overemphasis on trying to get across and Engvall slides at five hole where from my standpoint, he's getting outside his posts, right? So I, I talk about this a little bit when I do shows is like staying inside your post as a goalie for people that technically don't understand is like when you start chasing pucks outside your net, you're saving things that are going wide where for me, it's like that needs to be like a tighter compact movement, make Engvall pull that to his backhand and try to put it under the bar. We don't want anything coming through us. would be like on the goalie. So from that one's the only one where it's like, you just needed a save there. You just needed a timely yeah. save. Granted, we can't control the, the shitty defense and giving up the house and giving up a prime slot. We can control what we do as a goalie. So for me, that one stung. But other than that, I'd say it's a great performance. I think coming out of break, knowing what he had been through, came back, played well. This is a good measuring stick that, hey, he's still here. He's going to play well moving forward. Believe it or not, I, I sympathize with the guy last night. Like, and I have to ask you, you played in this league. Um, how much strain is that put on a goalie when your D can't get the puck out, out, out of the zone? Like, it's it's mind-boggling. Like, Rosie and I were joking about it yesterday. Simplify the game. This team is incapable 
a simplifying the game. Like what, what happened to just putting the puck off the glass and just calling it a day for, for that moment in the game, you know? Yeah. Yeah. My, my buddy's a senior triple a beer league champion. So he always <laughs> used to say they should have a staff for off the glass and out. Cause that yeah, was man. his key, right? Like just keep it ugly. I played with Brian Fahey. I remember in the minors with the Hawks and he used to ice it. We'd play down in Carolina and it was like, if there was a certain amount of icings, everyone in the crowd would get free ice cream. So they would love when we'd come to town because it was just icing it. There's nothing wrong with resetting, getting your draw, like having it. So I think that's frustrating. But as a goalie's perspective, I can't control that. I can't control what I get. I can't control if I go to the game and get 40 shots and 20 breakaways or if I get 15 shots and it's the easiest night ever. So I think for me, with Samsonov having this little you know hiatus that he went on to try to recollect himself, He's just got to come back and control what he can control. And that's for me, when I was at my best and, and majority of goalies I played with, when you can eliminate what your team's going to do, it's almost like you're playing your own game inside a hockey game. And I think for Samsonov, yesterday is frustrating, but let's mail it in. It's gone. Move forward. Keep chipping away and keep working toward what. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day Sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Dan Golas. This segment is brought to you by Charm Diamond Centers. Get custom ring building delivered in less than four weeks with the Charm Masterpiece Program and an unbeatable pricing policy. For more information, go to charmdiamondcenters.com, which leads us into a conversation about home ice, man. <laughs> that building was dead. Like it, I, it was worse than usual. It's the Monday night special, I call it. But maybe everybody was just hungover from All Star Weekend. I'll go with that. Yeah, a lot of hype. I I was kind of surprised that they would start a home game after that weekend. You think it maybe be like a day True. off on the like a day and then on the road or something. And I don't know, but like there's nights that rinks dead to begin with too. And it's not like the Islanders are a sexy draw either too, right? It's not like it's coming in. It's like a huge matchup. It's a team we know that's like can play boring and kind of drown the game out. So for me, it's, it's frustrating because of the sense of like, there's so many fans that want to be at games and want to be engaged and just love the game. And 
I always found that when I played in Buffalo, like all Leafs fans, but they were the rowdy ones because they were the blue collar fans that could finally afford to come to a hockey game. They'd come to Buffalo and just go absolutely bananas where Toronto, it's the suits, it's Monday. It's just kind of a flow. Not as many people are into the game. And it's definitely frustrating, I think, from a fan's perspective and an ex-player to be like, you just want energy, right? Like these guys, you know, it's, it's a grind. Well, I was going to ask that. I mean, you've been lucky enough in your career to play in, in Arizona, <laughs> jokes aside. Um, <laughs> Nashville, obviously Bridgestone Arena. That barn is tremendous. I've watched the hockey game there. Uh, St. Louis, like you've had the opportunity to play some really, really cool buildings, really, really loud buildings. How much does that impact a player? Like I've always wondered, do, do guys care if you have a building like Toronto where it's like, man, like it, it sounds like a mausoleum in there. It's so sad because they have a really fucking good hockey mm-hmm. team, but Again, the people who go to those games really don't care. Yeah, I think if you could flip the 300, the upper bowl to the lower bowl, it would help the game, truthfully. Um, for me, I found like throughout the year, it's almost like the crowd can drag you into the fight a bit better, right? I talk about leaders doing that. The crowd can do it too, right? Like say you feel like shit and you're, you're on a back-to-back and you're tired and your team's playing bad, but hey, we're going into Nashville. We're going into Montreal. We're going into a building that's loud and can have energy and like create and like, bring you into the fight where you get in nights like that. It's, it gets quiet. It's easier to mail it in. And, you know, for me, even like nights where it's like, you're playing in Florida on a Tuesday, right? When Florida wasn't good, it'd be like dressed like a chair night, right? Guys would always make the joke, yeah. like, you know, it's empty and you're trying to find a way to do it. Like as a pro, it shouldn't matter. Right. Like we always talk about like you, when you're in the American league and you're playing a Wednesday night in Peoria, man, like nobody's there, right? Like nobody cares about True. this game. You have to find a way to do it. And that's on you for being a professional. You're getting paid to do it. But it helps. There's a home ice advantage, man. When there's certain teams like Dallas was always one for me. When you play Dallas at home, you're like, the rink is closing in on us. And then you play Dallas on the road, you're like, man, this team sucks. But it's mm-hmm. one of those teams where certain rinks, Nashville was like that, especially in the playoffs or in big games. People don't even know what's going on, but that puck crosses the red line going forward and everybody's going absolutely bananas. They're drunk and their preds win, preds lose, doesn't matter. Let's go nuts, right? Where it'd be nice if we had a little more of that atmosphere where sometimes I feel like people are too knowledgeable and they think they know everything about the game. So they sit on their hands until something really special happens. Or they like the sushi at that building. I heard it's really good, but the Leafs two and six in the last eight at home at Scotiabank. 11, 10, and 2 overall at home. They have 18 games remaining at Scotiabank Arena. I mean, not to be Captain Obvious, but that home record has to improve or I think this team's in big-time trouble. It just makes no sense why they're better on the road than the building they occupy on a daily basis. No, I agree. And like your home record has to be, you have to be a tough team to play against at home. That's like a traditional, because we know how hard it is on the road, especially when we weed out, we start getting to the top 16 teams that are making the playoffs. And for me, I just don't fear that team right there's always a comparison i feel like i brought up earlier like st louis being the worst place in the team in the league but they had the they were there it wasn't like they were a bad hockey team they'd been good for years they had everything in place they just needed someone to drive the car in the right direction where this team just doesn't give me that feel especially at home where it's like teams should be scared to come into your rink right we always would talk about that on teams you play and like make it hard at home and i don't think they make it hard that's for sure (laughs) Yeah, it's funny you say that because Gord Stelic, I used to do a lease broadcast with for a couple of years, and he'd always say on air, make the building a house of pain. And, and that's the least of, I think, the the feel from opponents. It's like you come into Scotiabank, it's like points night. And I, I start to wonder if it's the brand or if it's the style of the way the lease play. Like, for example, you know, Simone Benoit lines up Matthew Barzell, just misses him, then a scrap ensues. And it, it seemed to throw some jam in the building. Like, it, 
maybe it's maybe it's a style the way they play that if they played more of a rough and tumble because we have experienced an era back in 2000 that era with Pat Quinn where it was a, a rough and tumble Maple Leafs team they had some guys you can scrap and guys you can hit and, and that building was rocking on a nightly basis yeah I think the physicality drags the fans into it as well like big sure. hits big checks and and in my experience those rinks that have that it like gets fans into the game and I've touched on that a few times here, but I, I feel like sometimes over my career, we won a lot of hockey games because of the way our third and fourth lines play, right? Teams that can get pucks in deep, pound them, pound them, pound them, get the crowd going, maybe draw a penalty, maybe draw an icing. Then all of a sudden, the nights where, you know, your Nylanders, your Matthews, your Marners, they're not maybe feeling it as well. They're setting them up for better chances, right? So that's where it becomes that depth and energy in the building drags guys. Because I'll tell you one thing, there's... If a guy's having a tough night, that's a star. All he wants is power plays. Get me on the power play. Get me looks. Get a point. All of a sudden, you get a point or a goal or something. All of a sudden, you're back right into it, right? Because that's what these guys want, man. They live and die on getting points. Where if you're a fourth liner, live and die on getting the team going and doing the right things on and on and off the rink. Yeah, and the other thing I noticed too, like which I really noticed with the Islanders, like the Leafs don't come at you in droves or waves where it's like shift after shift that you you roll all four and you keep coming and coming and you you know at, at some point in time the op- the opposition is going to succumb to the pressure. It's like one good shift, two bad shifts. Like there's no like I don't even know how to put it correctly. Maybe you have the terminology for it, but like they just don't come at you in waves like the elite teams in this league do, where it's like every shift they're at you and the, the game doesn't change for them, you know? No, that's that's the right way to call it, Nick. I know you didn't play in the NHL. I'm not going to hold yeah. that against you, but uh, yeah. that's right, man. Like you watch even like Seattle, like a team like Seattle last year, it was like it felt like whether their top line was on the ice or their fourth line was on the ice, they were just coming, coming, coming. Even like Rosie could say this there's not a time in his career when he had a chance to throw a hit he was throwing exactly right and all of a sudden now you do that over the course of a game and now the guys start second guessing themselves if you give guys freebies they're getting up ice they're creating more offense where you gotta pound guys every night and i think moving forward with this team you want to create a playoff atmosphere and a rink that is going to be have more energy in it that's how it starts playing the right way it really is a war of attrition. And again, we've had this convo so many times on this podcast where you look at the Leafs and wonder if they, if that type of brand is sustainable in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Can they play that heavy hitting? We've seen it a couple times this season, but that that's what it's going to be like come the playoffs, regardless of the opponent. It's going to be a 3-1-3-2-2-1 style hockey game. And I, at this point, I just, I don't know what this team is. Um, it's going to be a very interesting next couple of weeks. And I think we're going to get, uh, you know, uh, an inside scope of what they're feeling brain trust wise when it comes to this team. But again, it's just more of the same roller coaster type stuff where it's ups and downs and then they get an effort like that. And again, you can't use the excuse of an eight day break because the Islanders were in the very same boat and they, they were ready to play. So I think just the beat goes on, unfortunately, for this Maple Leafs team where it's the same old same. You just don't know what you're going to get from this team, unfortunately. Yeah, I know. And that's the frustrating part, I think, from a fan base and from someone analyzing the game. You're like, it's so inconsistent. You really doubt the fact of like what this team can potentially do, right? So I think you always fall back on the teams that are successful year in, year out and teams that are successful this year. There's more structure to it. Even like LA, like I know they've dropped off. They've been brutal, but at least there's like structure there. Like you think maybe with a head coaching change, they get guys to buy in that could come back quickly. It'll be interesting to see how that goes with that coaching change in comparative to the Leafs because 
maybe a little bit of structure there is going to help them. And for me, looking at this Leafs team, it's just like, I just don't see that happening year in, year out here with Keith. But yeah, nothing's changing. I mean, if they were going to make that change, it would have happened a couple of weeks back. It's not. Um, and again, I think this is more on the players. I, I've been strong in saying that for months and weeks and years now. And uh, ultimately, the easy scapegoat in the league is the head coach. He's just not getting through to these guys. Um, I don't know if he ever has. At, at points in times, they've had some really, really good moments. But I think it's just time for a fresh face, a fresh voice in this market. It doesn't seem to be happening anytime soon where it's like every couple of games, they come out and you're like, what the hell was that? And there's just no consistency in Ultimately, that goes to the coach sometimes. With more than 4,400 hair salons throughout the United States and Canada, Great Clips is the world's largest hair salon brand and official hair salon of the NHL. Salons are locally owned and operated and open seven days a week. Your time is valuable. Use the Great Clips check-in app, see the wait time, check-in on your phone, and get your haircut when you want it. For more information, check out greatclips.com. Great Clips, it's going to be great. I tell you what's going to be great. The rest month, uh, the rest of the month here of February, they got uh, eleven games remaining. Huts six at home, five away. But look at some of the opponents. They got Dallas, St. Louis, Philadelphia, Anaheim, Vegas, Arizona at Scotiabank, Ottawa, St. Louis, Arizona, Vegas, Colorado. Those are some juggernaut teams in the Western Conference, man. It's it's again. We've been saying this uh, for a majority of the season. I guess we're really going to find out what this Leafs team is made of here. Yeah, especially how strong the West is this year, right? Like everyone's, you know, comparing it to how, especially the Pacific, right? I think it's going to be a good measuring stick. Sure. Even playing St. Louis twice, who's in a dogfight, Arizona, who's still trying to keep pace. And Arizona seems to always give the Leafs trouble at home, which is going to be one of those ones you can't drop. Those are like must-win games. And then on top of that, you got defending cup champion Vegas, who's finding their stride. They have Aiden Hill back, who's playing really well. It's it's going to be tough, right? I think, and then going into Colorado's one for me is like a real measuring stick, right? You're going into a team yeah. that dominates at home. Can you come in there and get the job done or like be competitive? You know, you're thinking 11 games this month, like you got to win at least seven of them, you know? But for me, I start looking at that schedule. This is going to be really, if you're a contender or pretender after this month here. And everybody's talking about the games in hand, games in hand. If you don't win the games in hand, they they mean squat. Like, I think that loss against the Islanders was tough in regulation, especially with an idle Tampa, an idle Detroit, and a team behind you. Like, they had a chance to not put away the Islanders, but, you know, put some separation in the standings to say, you know what, the Islanders aren't, aren't going to catch us. And now they're... They're right back in the fight. They're two, two, and one in five games under Patrick Waugh. And it's like, here we go again with this Maple Leafs team. And uh, I think it's um it's something this team hasn't dealt with in a couple of years where they're not a foregone conclusion to make the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like I do truly feel like we're gonna find out if they're pretenders or contenders in a hurry here. Like they need to go on a run, create separation in the standings, or they're gonna find themselves just fighting for their playoff lives just to get into the playoffs. And and granted, people can, you know, make that correlation to Florida last year. They finally got cooking at the right time, but you're just hoping. You're you're hoping at that point. No, I agree. Like I know Florida slides in and they're playing. So maybe, maybe it would be nice if it becomes a bit of a dogfight for them to get in, because then maybe they find their game better. But when you look at Florida getting in, they were already built for success, though. Like they had the back end, yeah. they had the goal, yeah. they had everything. Things weren't working right. Bobrovsky was struggling. Alex Lyon played really well, but they had structure. They had it there. They just really didn't find their game. Maurice was there, you know, came in, got them to play the right way, and it peaked at the right time, obviously. But for me, I, I don't see that. I don't see like the Leafs finding all of a sudden this like great back end and this great goalie, you know, just in the middle of nowhere. So. 
I feel like they really need to make a step up because right now they've played well enough to be in the hunt, but I don't think they've played well enough to consider them even having a chance of getting out of the first round at this point. No, no, no. It's like, again, people are, are trying to go back to that and draw comparisons to, to Florida. I think you're sadly mistaken. I, there's just too many question marks with this team, and I think they're way too reliant on four players. As much as they wanted to have that conversation last summer where they're like, it's not all about the core four. It is all about the core four. And we figured that out again against the Islanders, where I think if you limit those guys, you're going to win the hockey game. And that's exactly what happened. I, I just think they're really, really predictable. Like, again, even on the power play, it's tough to say that because their power play is always top five in the league. They're so predictable. Like, rarely do they do something where it's like, wow, that was unexpected. It's the same loop-de-loop, drop the, the, the puck back. Marner and Matthews play a two-man game. Like, it, it's just so predictable. I know every team... For the majority is like that. It just seems like the, the, the Leafs are very, very super predictable watching on TV. No, I think so. And I, I think there is like you don't fool anybody anymore, right? Like you're no. not like you're going in there and catch somebody off guard with what you're gonna do. And again, I think like you look at some of their losses and the way they've played, there's like knowledge in the sense of like, okay, like if we have a really good checker and this line is playing well, we can shut down these guys. And then from there, it's pretty much our bottom six versus their bottom six. And that's where the difference is. And I think that is where the back end starts to fall out because you don't have those big bodies that take up time and space. Like I love Benoit, but like if you had like, I literally four defensemen like him that could play in your bottom four, I feel like you'd be in a better spot than you are now. They don't need to make the big money. They need just time and space and there's no area in the rink where i feel they lock that when even some of the signings like you talk about klingberg obviously he's out but that's a crazy signing to me like what yeah. are you doing adding a guy like that and the power play so for me i struggle with the whole concept of how this team is built yeah. when it's been like year after year of the constant results of the same bs yeah for sure and i just think specifically on the blue line they just they're not hard to play against and i feel like they don't move the puck quick enough like it's one thing to have these marquee studs up front. It's another thing to get them the puck in stride and movement. And outside of Morgan Riley, who's a really good puck moving defenseman, there's no really no no one really back there where it's like, well, they can snap it and their first pass is incredible. Like I I just I just they're not flowing. There there there's no identity to this team. There are moments where they they show like they're ready to break through, but then they bring you back to reality a bit. And I think they've been struggling with that all season long, sadly. No, yeah, it is. It is tough. I, and when they come back to reality, they come back hard, right? Oh. But again, it is the structure of like building your team around four forwards, right? Like every other team you look at that has like stud defensemen or like they're hard to find. You need to homegrown some, but like, granted, I again, I know Samsonov had struggles. Martin Jones has been good, but and Wool was good, but like even when Wool was playing out of his mind, Samsonov's been playing really well. They're giving up high quality chances. Even when you look at that game against Winnipeg when Samsonov really stood on his head, like a two on O, like he was electric. And that was a Winnipeg team that was like depleted, right? Without yeah. like some of their star players. And granted, you win the game, right? So people are like, oh yeah, we won. That's great. But like you still were on the losing end of like quality hockey, right? Which at the end of the day, it's sooner or later it catches up with you. Quick answer, uh, would you go with Samsonov against Dallas again? Yeah, for sure. I think at this yeah. point you have to see what he can do and keep growing him. Uh, I think for Martin Jones, time off is fine. I don't like the fact that Wall is not close to skating. So it's like we need to get Samsonov to be that guy now because he's the guy that can make the difference. Yeah, it sounds like a couple of weeks. I mean, I think there were a bit of conflicting reports yesterday of Wall skating, Wall not skating. Um, I don't know if there's a setback involved, but I... I, I think we did the numbers yesterday. It's going to be two months on February 9th. Um, but as you've mentioned time and time again, it's a 
it's a tougher injury to come back from from a goalie where you're going post to post all the time, right? Yeah, for sure. I'm sitting here looking at my ugly ankle here with the scars <laughs> on it and stuff. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's one of those things where you use the ankle for leverage so much and it's hard, especially like a kid like that. He's been doing it his whole life, like how much yeah. torque is on that. So my biggest thing I found was my one ankle was loose from like, you know, 30 years of playing goal on it. And then my other ankle was like totally so tight. So now it's like you're trying to get it back to where obviously my injury was worse than his. But at the same time, ankles are no fun when you're a goalie. Yeah, I remember, um, again, I've brought this up, but I, I had a high ankle sprain a couple of years back. Uh, funny enough, playing fucking beer league hockey, I got tripped <laughs> on a breakaway. But I remember the recovery, just like you think it's strong enough. And then I tried to play softball and I slipped and like hurt it again. And I think that's obviously big. But uh, again, I brought up the fact that they went through this with Timothy Lilligren, right? So they can use that sort of as a barometer as to like what's next. And obviously these are elite training staffs and all that, but uh, it would be great. It would be so great to see Joseph Wall back for the Maple Leafs, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. But again, it doesn't sound close as Hutz just uh, alluded to. The Botano wrap-up is presented by Botano.ca. The game starts now 19+. plus. Please play responsibly. A couple things, Hutz, I'm looking at tonight. Um, I like the Max Pacioretty shot prop against the Montreal Canadiens. He has, I believe, 19 shots on goal or 18 shots on goal in three outings against the Habs in his career. And I know he's playing on the top line. For the Capitals, um, Kuznetsov's not there anymore. Like they need somebody to step up. I like Patch Reddy in that one. And uh, Florida and Philadelphia under. Uh, the Flyers are up against it right now. They're really, really struggling. And I think the Florida Panthers are open to playing that low brand, tight checking style. So I like the under. Anything you're looking at? I like the under in the Boston Calgary game here. I think Markstrom's kind of found his stride in Swayman. Yeah. You kind of always know what you're going to get too. So I, I think that's a good matchup here. And for me, I just, I got to take the Oilers here. I think they're going to get this 17 in a row here. I think yeah. it's going to be an inspired hockey team. If they lose, it's tonight because Aiden Hill plays out of his mind. But I just think, you know, going with my heart, it'd be fun to see. So it'll be a, that's going to be a good one. I'm going to be up late here. So I'm not looking forward to that because I, I like going to bed early. I need my beauty sleep. Yeah, no, I hear. I think it's going to be a great game. It just, I, I was in Vegas for that series against Edmonton. I remember I watched it at Stadium Swim a couple of the games, which was amazing in its own right. But like, it seemed like everything was stacked against Vegas and they just dummied Edmonton. And, and you, again, you've played in this league. They're just opponents you don't match up well against. And I feel like Vegas could be that kryptonite for the Edmonton Oilers. So just for the sake of it, give me the Vegas Golden Knights. I think the, it, it's got to end eventually, but. I don't think it's being talked about enough like that. That's pretty incredible. The run the Oilers are on 16 in a row, man. They haven't lost in 2024. Like it's February 6th. I know it's crazy. I think the record's 17, That's, right? And they're that yeah. close to it. It's it's wild, right? I know I was on a 10 game heater before we didn't make the playoffs. So Not it, was, uh, yeah, it was uh, eight personally. And it, like the games just kind of keep going, but they've won by committee, which is nice, right? Like I know McDavid yeah. talks about that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens out there in Vegas. And I, I agree with what you're saying. I guess maybe the the kid in me is just pulling for the record, right? Like, yeah. I like this. It's modern era. I get to see it. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, don't forget Vegas is extremely banged up right now. Jack Eichel's on that lineup. So I think if there's a time to beat them, it is now. Lastly, I just want to send our well wishes to a Hockey Hall of Famer, Lanny McDonald, a speedy recovery. Uh, he had a cardiac event on Sunday, of course, 70 years of age, on his way back from Calgary, or from Toronto, from All-Star Weekend to Calgary. So Sending our best to Lanny McDonald uh, as we uh, tie a bow on this one today. Hutz, great stuff. And it's the Leafs and the Dallas Stars coming up tomorrow night. Yeah, should be a good one. And like I said, you know what I mean? Dallas is a tough team and we'll see what they can do against them because now it's it's now or never. 
Yeah, and again, you talk about this Maple Leafs team. They're just uh, you, it's it's tough to explain them. They've won five in a row and six of the last seven against the Dallas Stars. So I will be all over the Maple Leafs in that game. It would be so typical Toronto Maple Leafs to be an elite team like the Dallas Stars, who are on the back-to-back, by the way. I think Jake Ottinger will start tonight. Wedgwood usually starts against the Maple Leafs, so we'll see what happens in that one. And, uh, Hutz, we'll talk soon, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me on, buddy. Where in the world's Carmen San Diego? I got my new setup here, so yeah. keep an eye for me. Anytime you need me, my man. I love that. Uh, my main man, Carter Hutton. Um, Jay Rozo is going to be back in the mix tomorrow. Thank you one, once again, uh, Producer Vic, playing under the weather. We appreciate you. And everybody in the chat, at the Leafs Nation 401, where you can subscribe here on YouTube, Leafs Morning Take wherever you find your podcast, and we'll be back on Wednesday. Take care. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 